You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hogger Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 204 of East Centralia's favorite podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here, joined by uh, an empty co-host chair. We never we, we never really tried that hard this week. We, figured, we didn't at it all. Would, it would, yeah, it was, it was going to be great no, no matter what. Dakota Davis, radio. Dakota Davis is here. Zach Bertram's on a producer's desk and... And we've got a very special gentleman here, Dakota. That's right. Today's episode features Mr. Daryl Radford. You may recognize the name if you're a local from the Courier Times. Daryl just recently retired from the Courier Times. We're going to be talking to him about uh, what it's like to be a legendary reporter in Henry County. And also, uh, Greg Pence is playing hooky over this or during the week. This was, week, I guess he, there was nowhere else he'd rather be. That's right. We uh, had a high speed chase that originated in Henry County this afternoon. Breaking uh, news. Breaking news. And uh, something about because we do it this way, and this is uh, having to do with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and yeah. COVID nineteen. This is the thing Dakota tried to skip out, and I said no, 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 no. I'm putting this back in the show notes, <laughs> Mister. I'm trying to delete what Jeremiah wanted. You to talk had about. a whole racing episode last week. Can- <sighs> that was that was about politics. Okay. If you uh, went back, also, if you I, went back and listened to it, you'd know. We're also, I guess, going to talk about the Emerald Ash Borer, uh, which is super important and very vital information. I'm being dead serious about that. Make sure you stick around until the very end. Oh, this is going to be a fun show. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. Here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully, you'll always learn something new. Dakota, we just did 20 minutes in Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Boss Hog of Liberty. That is where you can go to support the show each and every month. Those folks are our our super top tier fans. They're in a fan club. They get access to a super secret Facebook group. They get the show notes. They get the show notes. Three minutes before everybody else gets them. That's right. Before the, no one else gets them. Well, I mean, before the only those people at the same time that the people are on the show, get them. They literally get them at the same time. Yeah, that's true. They do. Uh, we, this week during the Patreon portion last or two weeks ago, we tried Vegemite on toast. Yes. Uh, which was horrific. Uh, this week, which was brought to you by Anthony Meyer, Patreon member. He told us to try a candy bar called Violet Crumble. I keep wanting to say violent. Violent. I guess I just have the violence (laughs) on the brain. Watch out, (laughs) Daryl. I thought it was delicious. Uh, Jeremiah and everybody else had mixed thoughts. I guess we'll see. You have to join the Patreon to find out exactly what everybody thought about it. You can start at $5 a month. You can go all the way up to however. There's no limit at the top. Uh, you can, there's really no limit on the bottom end either. There's but not. We suggest five, but we'll take a dollar. I don't m- care. Mason Rowling House is in for like a dollar forty three a month. It doesn't really matter. We suggest five dollars is the lowest tier. As you go up, you do get certain benefits uh, along the way. And if you donate at $50 or more a month, then we give you a shout out at the front of every episode. Those folks are our favorite uh, car dealer, uh, Mr. Jonathan Lamb at uh, Phillips. Sorry. Whoa. 
Well, you're jumping. Jonathan Lamb, that takes way one, back. Takes takes one week off and he's That's lost like himself. <laughs> four years ago, <laughs> Jonathan Lamb, if you don't know, is a former guest who ran for Congress against Greg Pence the first time he ran. Wrote a book, too. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Mr. Jonathan Phillips, any more Buick and GMC, tell him that I sent you so I can get a $100 check if you buy a car. Chris Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, the most generous uh, libertarian that we know. And then also Mr. Uh, Chris Lamb, that's right, who is uh, one of our favorite cigar. He is our favorite cigar aficionado and the biggest Boss Talk Liberty he fan. He will personally go to Cuba, bring back the cigars for you. I think that's the whole business model. With Obama. That may, that may not be true. Obama goes too. Because, you know, well, Obama's he's got, the one that opened up the market. There. He's got the special plane. tchip.com slash BHO123 or 4 or BHO mug is where you can go to get your Boss Hoggle Liberty merchandise. Uh, we have the first three are all clothing lines. Number four, we don't even need anymore. So make sure that you go and get it because it's the masks. And you're in Indiana, you're a free person now. You don't need the masks anymore. Well, if you want to go to the race, you're going to need it. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> and then BHO mug, the, we have a uh, ceramic mugs. And whenever you, they look like they're just black regular mugs. Whenever you pour your coffee into it, the color changes and reveals the Boss Hog of Liberty logo. Uh, producer Zach Bertram is going to put all of those links in the show note or in the show notes in the, in the live Facebook stream live chat. chat. And uh, that'll make it easier for you to click on them. I think are, that that's Are you it. settled? I think that that's done. You took Patreon last- is how we pay for the show. It's very important. I was talking to Daryl before the show, and uh, Daryl was telling me that his son likes to listen to the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. I also like to listen to it. That's what the sticker is on the somewhere I'm pointing behind me, the Run <laughs> JRE sticker. Um, I'm also a fan of that podcast, and one thing that I've uh, picked up from there is the ad breaks in the middle of the shows are super annoying. Uh, Joe Rogan doesn't do that. He doesn't like to stop his show and do an ad read. If you listen to Ben Shapiro, for example, he's one of the absolute worst. I can't even stand to listen to You'll be mid-conversation with Daryl, and, and all of a sudden it's three minutes for, uh, yep. for a supplement. And it's like every 10 minutes. It's like r- actual radio, which is like the opposite of what we're trying to do with podcasts. We're trying to just have conversations with our guests. Uh, Patreon.com slash Boss Hog of Liberty. That is how we can keep from doing the advertisements mid-show all the time. We don't want to have to do that. And thankfully, uh, so far we haven't really had to, but everybody could help. We really don't make any money off this show. We just try to make sure that it pays this is for a, itself. This is a break-even business. Yeah. It, uh, it covers barely, expenses. Just barely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always tell people this is like my golf game. We it's still, a golf game hobby that pays for itself. And, you know, it still doesn't actually totally pay for itself. You and I both have things that we have to pay for. Yeah. We do some stuff on our own. Yeah. So that's okay. We're, we're kind of close. We're, we make it work close enough for government work. That's right. Daryl, let's talk about you for a minute. I gave you the title of a legendary reporter from Henry County because I know for as long as I've been reading the paper, your name has appeared under every single article about (laughs) uh, public meetings that I can ever remember. Well, you're very kind. Uh, I have been around for a while. Uh, I don't know if legendary is accurate or not, but uh, I started writing when I was uh, 17 years old. I was a senior at Blue River High School and was fortunate enough, uh, a classmate of mine 
My brother worked at the Henry County News Republican. You're not that old because you didn't say at Moreland High School or right, not Summit right. High well, School, right? My, my, my first six years were at Moreland. All right. In fact, I remember going home for lunch. Uh, I, I had never set foot into a uh, cafeteria uh, until I was in the seventh grade. Uh, I went home for lunch every day. It was, it was great. Uh, I, had, I had a great childhood. But uh, this, this friend of mine in high school, her name was Donnan Hoopengarner. Her mother worked at the Henry County News Republican. I asked her, I said, hey, I'm interested. Can, can Is there any way I can write sports? And so I started writing sports for the Henry County News Republican, met Miles Marshall. And I'm sure that you have some of your listeners who will remember that name. Uh, Miles was a, uh, a, a politician here. He was the uh, Henry County clerk for, I think, two terms. He was an excellent speaker. He played the role of Santa Claus on the radio, uh, and his columns were just, in fact, I was talking to, to Zach. He wrote a column about Milo Burcham that I still remember, and I think I still have, actually. Uh, so uh, it was a real thrill to get started then, that young, and, uh, and I loved it, and I've loved it ever since. Uh, I started writing sports for The Courier uh, as a correspondent for a guy named Rick Smith when I was in college. And uh, I have been associated with the courier probably in one form or another, maybe not full time, but writing here and there uh, ever since uh, the mid seventies. That's incredible! Wow. And you've you've had you've you've had tours with other uh, you you were a newspaper up in Jay County, right? uh, yeah, uh, Winchester. Uh, you know the I, I wrote in my farewell column. I've come and gone at the courier about five or six times. <laughs> Various circumstances, right. uh, some some not good, uh, some my fault, some not my fault. I didn't think, but uh, I always uh, left the door open, and thankfully I was always able. I didn't, you know, I didn't burn the bridge. Right. Uh, it was damaged, but it wasn't burned. Uh, I wrote literally columns as a volunteer. I wrote band stories as a volunteer. Um, uh, if, if they needed me for anything, I wasn't hesitant to, to, to help out. But in the times that I wasn't there, I had the opportunity to work at Winchester, uh, which was a daily newspaper when I went over there. I think it was about 2014. And, uh, uh, shortly after I went there, they went to two days a week. Maybe there's a connection there. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think it's you. It, it's local small town papers. And it's something we've talked about in the show for the, the entire existence of it. And one of the reasons why I've been tried to be so supportive of local media, um, everybody wants those stories and wants to hear from it, but it is a struggle. Circulation isn't great. People want to just get stories for free on the internet and they don't realize that somebody like Daryl or Travis or Kevin Green is taking their evenings and having to get paid because it's their job to go sit in a county, county council meeting or city, city, uh, city council meeting. And, and, and not everybody can do that. Uh, uh, one of the, pet peeves I have is that the uh, the powers that be sometimes think that you can pull anybody off the street, ask them to go to a city council meeting and they can write a story about it. Uh, that is not true. I don't That's know that true. I could, you know, I don't think I could sit down and write a competent news story. I writing the first story when uh, Travis White and I've been friends a very long time since before we went to the paper and he started writing as the education reporter and I was impressed at the first story that he wrote because I'm like, I, I literally couldn't sit at my laptop and say, okay, this is the composition that I'm supposed to have to write a news story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to have the voice that you were, that's required for the news. That's a special skill set. And it's not, you're just, 
the average person is not just going to have that sit down today. And I, I need you to write a story about this, this, this meeting. I've, I've, I've long felt that, uh, reporting, good reporting has been undervalued, uh, by the newspaper industry as a whole. And I think that's where, that's why we're where we are today. Uh, now, you know, the problem is, uh, back in the day, newspapers made their money by selling ads. And, uh, uh, that was the big, you know, people think that their subscription price is too high. Well, that doesn't cover even a third of the total expenses of putting out a newspaper. And, uh, that money was made up by, uh, selling, selling display ads. Well, the display ad market is basically gone now. You know, you don't see a lot of display ads. Businesses have other ways to get the word out. And of course, with the advent of social media makes it even more difficult. Uh, newspapers have had to try to kind of learn uh, uh, new tricks, so to speak, to stay in business. Yeah. And uh, so, so, you know, that, that has complicated everything. And um, I am here to tell you though, that the day that, they shut the doors at the courier and the courier is no more. And I hope that's far into the future. I think, I think they've done a really good job of keeping it a daily newspaper. Like I said, Winchester was daily yeah. and it, it went uh, to twice a week. Rushville has no paper anymore and they used to be a daily paper. So I think Newcastle folks ought to be appreciative of the fact that they still have a five day a week paper. Yeah. Uh, and the day that paper goes away, is going to be a sad day because uh, just see uh, just the obituaries. I was thinking just about the obituaries. If somebody dies out of state, the first place they call is the local newspaper. Now, if the newspaper isn't there, someone dies out of state. How are they going to get that word out to the Henry County folks? Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of the local funeral homes have Facebook pages. But that isn't going to help if someone dies out of state. And it's not necessarily an aggregator, right? The the the, the, the newspaper pulls together the obituaries from all right. the different communities. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and everything you know, of local interest that matters. It was a sad – you're talking about the future if the courier ever goes away. But to this me – This has gone to a very dark place. Not, not <laughs> yeah. where we were trying to take the conversation. So I guess I'll circle back for a moment. Um, I've always – I well – I haven't done it in a long time, but I, I loved writing as a child all throughout high school. Um, I did some stuff with, uh, first of all, in elementary school with, we had an elementary school newspaper at Tri. It's called the Titan Times for like I remember that. Yes. fourth, fifth and sixth yes. grade. And then through middle school, high school, I did some stuff with the high school newspaper. Um, I really enjoyed writing short stories, uh, poems. And also writing music. Uh, I always, I wanted to be an author for a really long time in high school. And uh, I always imagined, uh, I guess in probably like seventh or eighth grade, both of those years probably, my, how I imagined in my future was sitting in some busy newsroom, like in the 1980s, where people were like the, uh, the tie propers mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. the, the metal bar underneath of the winds or not. I imagined myself in one of those roles in a busy news office, busily writing on a typewriter or something at, in middle school. And it was kind of, it's been kind of sad for me to drive by the courier times office and see that it's closed because I would always, my grandpa would take me there as a little, little kid 
like little, little, like five or six. Some of my earliest memories are going and eating outside of the Career Times office because I always loved the look of that office. So it's been, it's kind of brought back a lot of those memories as I've seen the whole place closed down. Like that will never be again. You know, change is relentless and uh, newspapers have tried very hard to change with the times. And uh, I still believe there's a place for newspapers. And I think that, as I said before, I think people should support the Courier uh, with everything they can because uh, uh, it would be missed uh, terribly if the day ever came that it didn't exist. You talk about the noise of the newsroom. I used to love the noise of the newsroom. When I started, um, I, I was writing stories on a royal typewriter, a manual typewriter. And uh, if you have about 10 of those going at once, uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a sound. And then uh, I would write my story on a royal typewriter. I would hand it to somebody who then retyped it. I was going to ask, you're, you're literally analog typing this yourself, yes, and yes. then you've got somebody else that's going to put it in the that's type the to put in the newspaper. Yes, yes, yes. After, and that's after your editor has said it's okay. Yeah, yes, yes. She would retype it. And the whole place is graphic. filled with cigarette smoke. And Yeah, yeah. well, and uh, talk about smoke-filled rooms. I mean, well, when I covered city council meetings back in the 80s. Apparently Newports are illegal now. That happened yesterday. <laughs> so no more you know, cigarettes. You know, if, I'm I not came s- home, if I came home after a, after a council meeting, my wife uh, would say, Get those clothes off and, <laughs> and take a shower, and uh, you know, or stay out in the garage because uh, uh, it, it was it was pretty bad, you know. Daryl, you're making me nostalgic for a time I never even knew. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, would go to, you, you would go to a county the, council meeting and there were ashtrays on the table. Yeah, people smoking. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah, now Aaron Dickin wants to take away yeah. your ability to even smoke on the sidewalk. I remember going to Bob <laughs> Evans with my grandpa and him smoking while we ate lunch. Is that if that counts for anything. My elementary school principal. Am I old now? In the building. <laughs> when I was like first, second grade, our elementary school principal smoked in the building. Oh boy. He would he would walk the hall. He was smoking a pipe, so at least it smelled good. <laughs> he'd be walking the hall smoking a pipe in elementary school when I was a kid. So yeah. Hmm. Different time. Dick Leach was the uh, uh God rest his soul, he was a great guy. Great guy. I always enjoyed talking to Dick. Um he always had a big cigar at the council meetings. County council. Uh, uh, no, city, city council. council. Okay. City council. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. In fact, I wrote a feature story about him when he retired, and I mentioned the cigar, and he called me, and he said, uh, said, said, well, that, that's a good story, Daryl, but I quit smoking cigars about three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what the insurance company yeah. thought. <laughs> My neighbor growing up, had he was an older man, and he smoked cigars, and I would always see him out ride, or mowing his lawn, with a giant cigar in his mouth. And he would always have it like clamped down in the side of his mouth. And then one time, uh, my dad was talking to him across the fence, like we're in an episode of Home Improvement. And I went over there ne- and stood next to my dad and was totally aghast by the fact that the man, his lip had a permanent half circle indention <laughs> from all the times that he had that cigar clamped to his oh, mouth. Man. His lip was always pushed down, even without it there. Crazy. What? So you you started as a sports reporter, which I didn't I yes, didn't know. Yes, you wound up transitioning into the government role, which is what I've I've grown to know you in, in mm-hmm. writing that. Mm-hmm. Of course, in a local paper, you're versatile. You write about bands. You write about everything. Right. 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 You probably covered Zach when he was a band nerd in, at Newcastle. Pro- yeah, probably did. He also had a niece that was the drum major at Blue River. Yeah, uh, Jill. Yeah, Jill. Yeah. 
So you probably uh, yeah, covered- shout out to Joe. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wrote about the Blue River Band, and uh, uh, you guys were good. You guys had had a, had a really good band uh, her senior year. I was I was and- in Newcastle, but yeah, we were both. But yeah, good band times Did at the it- time. Blue River and Newcastle were both real good. So you probably covered me as well with the tro- with the Trojan with the Titan Marching Band. <laughs> Before was, my uh, stint with the Libertarian Party, Toby Benson, your director. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah good Which, guy. Good does guy. it irk you both as much as it irks me to see the marching bands in the local parades and they're wearing like t-shirts and basketball shorts? Because that drives me freaking crazy. It. You know how much work we put in to making the marching band look awesome, like having to practice walking, and you're in those ridiculous uniforms, and everybody looks super fly. And you're making sure that your head doesn't bob up and down. Nowadays, these softy kids have it so easy. <laughs> Just walking in shorts and tennis shoes. Sometimes, fun. sometimes yes. And I will say this: Newcastle had a thing. We did field shows too, and we would sometimes if the weather was bad enough, we would we would put them away because we're like we we save these for field shows. But I like we did the 500 festival parade like in the rain in uniform, and that was awful. So I don't blame <laughs> them. Sometimes when it's when it's like 90 degrees. Because you're just like, that's a dry cleaning bill. It's part of a man. Dakota, have you, a man had, out of you. have you had your five-year high school reunion yet? Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're prepping for the 10th. My best friend. Your class of 2015? We're prepping for 14. 14. My best friend was the uh, was, uh, class president. And we didn't even have a five-year reunion. I'm. Uh, he texted me like a month beforehand. He was like, Hey man, <laughs> <laughs> I would have been class of 2001. So I'm at 20. Are you guys having years. a reunion? I'm just curious. Well, every day is a reunion for a homeschool kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I wake that's up, true. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, we're all the team's all here. Uh, we all, uh, we all made it. The game's you know, all here. There's some concern out there uh, and, and Newcastle homecoming is coming up. Uh, I think this year. Yeah. Uh, four years. Uh, and there's some concern uh, as, Time marches on that homecoming might be in jeopardy because classes don't get together like they used to. Um, you know, there, there are some classes like in the fifties and sixties, those folks get together every frequently year. every year. Yeah. My mom's, a, she's her class gets together. She was the first graduating class at Shenandoah high school and they can all get together and like hang out in somebody's garage. Like there's that few of them just because the class wasn't that big and somebody hit me up because i was involved in our last class reunion they said are we going to do one for 20 this year i was like i don't know man we haven't really talked you know pandemic thing happened (laughs) and we're not sure we had we had a five i don't when we mean i had a five we might have just done a 10 and yeah now some people are just like oh like i've got friends are like the people i want to keep track of i keep track of on facebook i don't need to do anything else so that's kind of yep. the attitude of some folks. That's exactly what I, yeah, I, th- I think Facebook has really uh, has replaced affected. the requirement yes. of, of getting together. It has. It has, yes. My parents, my mom is, you know, my mom graduated from high school in, in Moore, Oklahoma, and she, the majority of her time was in Newcastle, Wyoming. She doesn't go back for those. My dad, I don't think, has ever made a reunion in the, you know, 25 years he's lived in Indiana at graduating high school in New York. At the traveling side, I just don't see, I don't see people making it a priority, mm-hmm. right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't know. Of course, my all of our parents were in high school before we really knew them. So uh, I don't know how I don't know what their, what their experience was like either. I like the vast majority of my graduating class, and I think I'd enjoy catching up with those folks again. I don't follow. I don't keep up with people like that on Facebook. 
I just don't. Facebook is like dedicated to my hobbies. Not your friends. Not yeah, that's really it. <laughs> I mean that's just how it is. Some you know, I don't really want to bother with keeping up with someone's opinions on current events. I just want to look at woodworking and guns. <laughs> so back to back to Daryl's career. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, I, we talked about covering government side. And one of the things that I know that you touched on in your, in your farewell column was the election nights and the chance to, to be a part of the conversation and to, to chase it down. And I know it's different now than it was, you know, now it's okay. Here's the election results. Go get it. Yes. Back yes. 15, 20, 30 years ago, you were sitting there watching precinct by precinct come in on a whiteboard and you had some drama. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was, um, uh, always a fun evening. Uh, I really enjoyed covering elections and, uh, I had a kind of a teammate, uh, Delora Hartsock, which I, you guys may have uh, met. Delora. I know Delora very well. Yeah. And, uh, and she and I really worked well together. We would, uh, uh, kind of split up going to this headquarters or that headquarters. We'd compare notes. We'd look at, uh, the results as they came in. We'd kind of speculate on what results were still out there. And, uh, uh, my, my wife, Becky, uh, she helped us put together a precinct by precinct chart, which, uh, I don't think is done anymore. It, it, it takes some effort, uh, to do that. Uh, my wife's a CPA. She's an accountant and, uh, uh she, um, uh, is very good at, uh, typing in Excel. Uh, and it didn't take her very long to put that precinct by precinct chart together. And, and that was very interesting to show you how the vote went in certain areas of town and certain areas of the county. And it could show you some surprising results or it could, or it could verify, well, that's, that's a Democrat stronghold or a Republican stronghold. But uh, it gave you something to analyze the election with. Uh, I always loved election night, thought it was great. Um, uh, and I, that'll be one thing that I miss uh, as you know, time goes on. And I'm not associated with, with that part of the newspaper anymore. I'll, always have a special place with election night and in, you know, in, in my heart. Yeah. It's a, it's an exciting time. I know having, we've, we've sat here and done election night coverage, both primaries and, and general election, and then done it as a candidate as well. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very roller coaster day. Always, and in fact, I've is. interviewed both of you. I yeah, think, yeah, I? yeah. Right, right in this building. Absolutely. It's uh yeah, crazy. <laughs> crazy how, always was how very impressed the last few years that uh, the most interesting place to be was not Republican headquarters, not Democrat headquarters, but libertarian headquarters. I thought, yeah, I, I, you guys have just done a great job uh, building that party up and, and representing it so well. Yeah, we appreciate that. It's uh, it takes key volunteers and folks that are folks that are willing to, to get after it. And it's a it's a cycle. It's always, you know, there's ups and downs and, and, and building momentum. Uh, I honestly, I think that Henry County Democrats have done a great job lately. Lately, it seems like they have some really good momentum as well. I think the they're years, back on the uh, uh, aggressive side of the track, and yeah. that's good to see. You know, I think that uh, it's very healthy to have competitive races, no matter what race you're talking about. And yeah. I think that's that's one of the problems I see with state politics. It's become so one sided. Um, I forget what the, is it 37 to 30, well, it 37, 13 when I was there, uh, it may be 41 to nine now. I the think. state Senate. 
Yeah, state so, senate. So in between your your roles on the uh, on the reporting side, you have had some dabbling in politics. Yes, you got to work uh, for the Indiana State Senate, the Republican Caucus. Yes. You did their yes. their you were their spin guy for a, I for was, a few years. Uh, the title was senior writer and editor. And uh, wait a I, minute, wait a minute. Wait, you worked for the government news agency before Mike Pence invented it. <laughs> <laughs> State run news. You were you were the guy. Uh, yeah, uh, that position actually was created for me. Uh, I was between jobs, so to speak. I left the courier in 2006. Uh, they had a new publisher and I didn't get along and I decided it was in my best interest to leave. And, uh, uh, then I started working for Tom Saunders and, uh, cause Tom needed a, uh, uh, some help, a campaign manager, a field manager. That was the year that, uh, Tom's son had been involved in the fatal accident and there was this mystery about, okay, how is that going to affect his reelection chances? Sure. And so they felt like they needed somebody experienced with the media to kind of handle things. And so I worked for Tom and uh, all through that campaign. And then after he was reelected, the job at the Senate came open. They were looking for a director. So I applied for the director's job. I knew Beverly Guard really well. Uh, I've known Beverly since the 80s. She was the state senator who represented this area at the time. Yes, yes. And uh, and she and I always got along well. I think she had a lot of respect for me, and she said she would she would put in a good word for me. And and uh, I got a call from the president pro tem saying, "Well, would you take another job if it was offered?" And I said, "Well, sure." And so uh, they hired a guy by the name of Scott Manier to be the uh, uh, communications director, and they created this position for me called senior writer and editor. And my job there was to um, uh, work with the four press secretaries. I edited everything that they would put out. Uh, my job was also to work individually with senators if they needed me for a special project. And so I wrote speeches. I wrote columns. I wrote uh, press releases uh, for, um, uh, I think at one time I had done something for every senator there, which at the time was 37. So was this a a state of Indiana job or a political job for the senator? The, uh, this was technically, it was a state of Indiana job Interesting. because, because they, they funded the public relations aspect for both the Republicans and the Democrats. The Democrats had an office too. Sure. And, uh, and so, yeah, our job was to represent and to work with uh, the folks that were uh, in, in office. And at the time, like I said, 37 of them, and uh, I think the the dividing line for the press secretary saying each one had five or six different people. And then I had a couple of people. I, I worked with Senator Guard. Uh, I, I wrote uh, a weekly column for Senator Cruz and for Senator Long. Uh, Senator Long had a weekly newspaper in the Waynedale, Fort Wayne area. And, uh, and so I worked really closely with the folks that that newspaper got to know them well. Some of the folks I'd known anyway because of being in newspapers and sure. that helped me. That helped me a lot because I had these relationships already established. And I think that's why they were interested in hiring me in the first place. And it's a relatively small community, right? You've got, yes. you know, the people that run the newspaper in, in Greensburg or Rushville know the folks in Henry right. County or Shelbyville right. or et cetera, et cetera. And, and many of them had been like me there for a long time, you yeah. know? So, so yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a nice fit in that, in that way for me uh, to work with those newspapers and to help 
the 37 senators. And then I also was in charge of setting up uh, availabilities, media availabilities. Uh, uh, the president pro tem would have a press conference at least once a week. And my job was to get the word out on that press conference uh, uh, to help set up the room, uh, make sure everybody knew about it and, uh, and deliver any kind of advanced materials that, that might be needed for that. Awesome. So you also have a, a book to plug. Yes. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Uh, um, I, became involved in uh, local history in 1982. Uh, I really got the bug because uh, my wife and I bought the News Republican, a weekly newspaper, and we ran that newspaper for four years and met Doug Majors. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Doug or not, but Doug has been a longtime uh, historian and advocate of history here, and his collection of old pictures is just amazing. Uh, it's been a lifelong pursuit. Uh, he has bought these pictures at yard sales. He's had people give them to him. And I, I would say he's probably got thousands of old pictures. Of Henry and, County and of, Newcastle history. Of Newcastle and Henry County. And so this particular book that I have is called Images of America, Newcastle. And it's done by the Arcadia people. And it, it turned out really well. It's 2013 was when we published it. And uh, uh, I have some copies. Uh, and it has probably 180 pictures in it. And it's got uh, some short vignettes with those photos to talk about the history of Newcastle. And uh, uh, I would like to offer uh, these books for sale on your program, if it's okay with you guys. Certainly. Um, if you mention uh, to me in an email that you heard about this on Boss Hog of Liberty, I will sell the book, which normally sells for $20. I'll sell it to you for 15 There we go. And hey. if, if someone wants to buy this out of state and have it mailed to them, I don't know if you have any out-of-state listeners or not. We, all the way to Hawaii. All the way Darryl. to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, if, if you will send me your address... Uh, I will uh, uh, pay the postage for, and the co- the book, cost of the book would be twenty dollars. You'd have to send me a send me a check for twenty dollars, uh, but I will pay the postage and uh, would like to offer that for anybody that doesn't live in the Newcastle area that needs so, it mailed. So, what kind of what date range are we talking about? We're talking from founding until until yes, the sixties, seventies. Um, what kind of kind of uh, stuff are we talking? It it ranges from probably the late eighteen hundreds. Um, uh, all the way up to um, the 1970s, I would say. You know, you get some, and, uh, get some, uh, actually, some, actually, some greenhouses in there. 1980. Yes, we do. All yeah, right. Greenhouses. Well, it's worth the money just for the greenhouses. Uh, uh, 1980s, because we've got Steve Alford in this book. The definitive beautiful. explanation as to why we're the Rose City, right there. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, this this uh, community has so much history. It's just, uh, and, really and, and I really was 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 quite ignorant of it until I met Doug. I got to give a lot of credit to Doug Majors because he's the one that that kind of inspired me to get involved in local history and to start writing columns about it. Uh, Doug and I did a book in 1992, and it's a great big coffee table type book, uh, and it's called Newcastle: A Pictorial History. And 3,000 copies of that were printed. They're all gone now. And uh, uh, the way this current book came about in 2013 was that the young man by the name of Ben Badgley called me uh, 
said, said I think we need another book. He, he was interested in participating in a reprint of the 1992 book. Well, that company that printed that book is no longer in business. And they offered to sell us the, um, oh, the, the manuscripts of it or the templates of it. But the price was just so <laughs> not unbelievable. Astronomical. It, just, it just was not workable. And so we decided to come up with, uh, with kind of a different book. There are some pictures in this book that are in the other book. And there are some pictures in this book that are not in the other book. But uh, it, it kind of accomplishes the same pur- purpose. It, it promotes Newcastle history. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, an interesting uh, selection of photos. And uh, like I say, it ranges from the late 1800s all the way up to... Just, just from the top of my head, some, some Newcastle history that's around. We've got one of the original auto factories. The old Maxwell factory yes. was here in town. Yes. Jesse French pianos were here. I know that from breaking my back, carrying one into Aaron Dickens' basement when he moved. Um, There's a picture in this book, the Images of America book, of Vice President Charles Fairbanks. And he's riding in an open vehicle, and he's standing up and he's waving. <laughs> and, you know, you look at that picture and you think, man, you could not do that today. <laughs> yeah. You could not do that today or you wouldn't last very long. But, uh, uh and we really do have a lot of history to be pretty <clears throat> boastful of here in Henry County. The Hoosier Cabinet Company as well. Yes, yes. And uh, there, there is material in here about the Hoosier Kitchen Cabinet. And, uh, uh, you know, those those things were sent everywhere. The roses were sent everywhere. Um, uh, the uh, automobile heritage is so rich and so deep here. And I, I think always will be, even though the factories are gone. I still think that uh, the work ethic that is still here with those folks uh, is is a heritage that thankfully remains. And, some uh, some of the factories are gone, but Grady's still very much involved yes. in manufacturing yes. of of automobiles now. Uh, TS Tech goes directly into the Honda Honda you know, assembly plant that's just down the road in Greensburg. So there's, yeah, I, I think it's a, you know it's still a real strength of Henry County to show that that, that uh, this area knows how to manufacture things. Yep. One of the, uh, some of the coolest pictures that I've seen, and uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Richard Ratcliffe, uh, he also has a huge rival Rival historian. That's like picking yeah. the... Oh, I, <laughs> I, have, I have tremendous respect for Dick. And in fact, Dick, uh, Dick did a book called like, Henry County at the Millennium. It's like the Jets and the Sharks, and you're just yep. dragging it out here, Dakota. <laughs> yep. Uh, he has some really cool pictures of, and there's some of like a... a Newcastle downtown in like the, the late fifties. Yes, and I know the picture you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah, yeah, all the people downtown, and and now see, I'm I'm old enough, um, and I guess conversely young enough to remember that uh, going downtown when downtown was busy. Uh, you guys have never experienced that, probably. Um, in Newca- in downtown Newcastle. Downtown Newcastle. Well, I mean, I. I I used to take 20 minutes to go from one side of town to the other on a Friday night with the <laughs> <laughs> cruising broad. The cruisings are, are, are big again, and which we should plug since we had Newcastle Main Street. We featured them on the podcast. Uh, then It is remarkable, and it's inspiring for me to see how it's come back. I, I think downtown looks better now than it has in years and years and years. But you know, back in the day, my parents would uh, we'd go shopping on Saturday. 
And it would take Dad two or three trips around Broad Street to find a parking space. Yeah. And uh, right, right up on that microphone for me, Daryl. Oh, I'm yep. sorry. I'm backing it, off again. Yep, it'll help. It'll help you later. Um, yeah. I mean, there was a time when all of the auto dealerships were down here and, you know, it's, I think two doors over from us was one of them right off right here on race street. Uh, yeah. Always changing. Just like, just like the newspaper business. Yes, it's always, yes. uh, always, uh, always change changing. is relentless. Yes. And, but now it's become more than a commerce place. Downtown, the downtown communities in Newcastle is doing it as much. Uh, it's becoming a gathering place, right? It's a place. To I get think together that's the key. And, I, I, and, and I really think that's concerts, the key. And, and I know people, events. people were criticizing, uh, uh, mayor York, who I think has done a tremendous job since he's been mayor. Uh, they were criticizing him for 1400 Plaza, but uh, uh, I had worked in Winchester at the paper there, and they they were just starting a discussion of what can we do downtown to make it a gathering place, to have a centralized location. They were talking about building something, building a a, a gazebo or or some kind of facility, and uh, uh, I think Newcastle has done the right thing with 1400 Plaza because it's it's so versatile. And uh, I think as years go by, you're just going to see more and more activity there uh, with the concerts, uh, with the uh, cruise-ins, with the farmer's market, which has been extremely popular, and and with other things that are possible now uh, because uh, of 1400 Plaza. Yeah, they're they're very complimentary. The Arts Park, 1400 Plaza, the the restaurants, and and hopefully additional uh, businesses that are going to locate locate downtown. Cruise-in this Saturday. Uh, happening uh, I, is it may 1st what's the uh what's the auto that's featured mr bertram do you know is, is it doing, Mo- i don't think they're doing features this year it's not mopar Man. night i don't know they always waited so late to do <laughs> excuse me that was one of those things i was like man they would wait so long to do mopar night i was like you know this is newcastle when i was a kid every night was mopar night. <laughs> <laughs> like that was kind of a thing but I roll it in your doing, neon i think they're still doing like a slightly tapered back uh, version so far this year. It's pretty cool. I enjoy the cruise ends. We plan on going to this one as well. Let's talk, speaking about um, things that are big in the community, let's talk a little bit about Greg Pence. Did you uh, did you watch the president's speech last night? I did not. Daryl, did, uh, did you tune in? I didn't tune in live. I did watch some of the reporting afterwards. Yeah. I I did not, uh, but I uh, same thing. I listened to some of the uh, the media accounts this morning. I was a little, I wasn't under the weather, but I went to bed early yesterday. So I listened uh, listened to the Google machine explain to me what happened, and I heard that there was not full attendance. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> at the uh, at the deal, and they had the six foot distancing, and apparently our congressman took the distancing so. Uh, Soda heart. Yeah, he was very serious about that. It. He was, I believe, in Fayette County at a Republican dinner. He was. He's in Fayette County, Indiana, at a Lincoln Day dinner. Uh, and he just said, he made a Facebook post and he said, there is no place that I would rather be tonight. Yeah. So I... <sighs> you think that has something to do with the fact that his brother just signed a $4 million book deal with Simon & Schuster? I don't know about that side of it. <laughs> I know I know that the Indy Star, I looked today, and they had reactions from a number of different, almost every congressman in Indiana, congressperson in Indiana. Uh, and the office of Greg Pence didn't have a rea- reaction. They said nothing. And the only thing they said was the, you know, he posted that he was happy to be at the Lincoln day, which is great. If he was at my Lincoln day dinner at my deal, I'd think that was great too. But at the same time, I'm like, man, you really st- stabbing the knife. And I don't, and I don't know the logistics, Daryl of 
Did this thing get called? It's 100 days after the president was in, so I assume that they kind of knew the date, what it was going to be. But maybe, maybe he had, maybe it's defensible, and he already had an excuse to have been in he the district. He probably knew about 100 days ago. <laughs> you know, it's possible that he had had this scheduled before, and this was scheduled first, and he felt out of obligation to the folks over there that that he should attend this, but. Uh, you know, as we go forward in trying to, to mend this country from its political civil warfare, I think that uh, uh, it behooves all the state representatives to do what they can to work together uh, uh, to try to uh, find some common ground. Um, it's, it's very upsetting to me that uh, we still have the my way or the highway politics and uh, – uh, you know, compromise seems to be a forgotten word. Um, I had heard somebody say when the presidential campaign was going on that if, if Biden won, the job of Republicans would be to oppose him at every turn and to make sure there was nothing that he could claim credit for. And I thought, how sad is that? Because we've got all these problems in America. How is that solving problems? Uh, Everyone, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, uh, everyone should be focused on solving problems and not putting another political feather in their hat. And and I don't know when that's ever going to end. Uh, uh, it, it just it's it's very frustrating to me. And you know, I saw some of it firsthand when I worked at the state house. Uh, uh, politics has gotten to be such a uh, a uh, uh, terrible scourge. That gets in the way of solving problems. When, when we were going through campaign cycles, and you were excellent at this of of moderating events, forums, getting getting candidates engaged. Our current congressman, Congressman Pence, hasn't done a debate in his entire time from when he declared that he was going to run until now. He's been the only availability he ever has is if you show up at a Republican event. If you show up at a Lincoln Day, you might meet him. I've yet to meet the guy. And I've tried. I've, he's been invited on here many times. It, it's a very, it, unfortunately, the way that maps are drawn, this is all that he has to do. But I'm not sure that it's good for the conversation and for the country to have to have somebody that can just oh, it, behave this way. And it's it no definitely problem. isn't. It definitely isn't. And and I can guarantee you that there are advisors talking to him in his ear saying, "Don't go to this. Yeah. There's no need for you to go to this. It's it all. It, it's only downside." Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The only thing that can happen is something that would be negative to you or to a future campaign. And again, are we are we really in the best interest of solving problems with that kind of mindset? Uh, uh, you know, I think you you and I talked on uh, uh, Messenger earlier today and I, I posed the question, where are the statesmen? Do we have any more statesmen? Uh, people that can that can work with others across the aisle. Now, some will tell you that that does happen behind the scenes, and the news media doesn't pick up on it. Um, and the news media is is probably another problem. I mean, I, I I'm to the point sometimes, Jeremiah, where I can't I can't hardly stand to watch the evening news. And there's a running joke between my wife and I of how many minutes of Meet the Press I can stand. <laughs> I'll turn Meet the Press on and, okay, is it going to be seven this week, ten this week? When is Chuck Todd going to tick me off to the point where I just turn it off you or turn the channel? It. And uh, uh, I think it's unfortunate. Uh, 
I think it's unfortunate the direction that uh, politics has, has taken. And I think until we get to the point where we focus more on problems than we do on political parties, uh, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Um, uh, you know, I thought that was awful to hear that if, if Biden wins, the Republican's job is to make sure that he doesn't get anything passed that he can take credit for. And, uh, that's not what I send my representatives to do. I send them there to solve problems. Send them there to go do the work, right? I want them to solve problems. And, you know, the day when we don't have any problems, okay, you can play politics all you want. Um, you know, the immigration situation. How long has immigration been a problem? Yeah, it hasn't been wholeheartedly addressed since the Ronald Reagan administration. Yeah, right? you know, at least 40 years. Right. And, you know, you know there, there's been talk of a major infrastructure bill. That's the next thing, right? They got their coronavirus solution and now it's infrastructure. Well, in, infrastructure is taking the, the, the conversation the last two months has been, well, let's define infrastructure in a way that, that one side gets everything they want and the other side doesn't, you know, doesn't have to participate. Sometimes it seems to me that there needs to be a change in the structure of what constitutes a bill and that these amendments that are thrown into the bill at the last minute, those ought to be limited. And I know the Senate had a rule when we were there that it has to be germane. Right. But germane probably has a definition that's, that's really, really broad. Well, in, in Indiana, the general assembly seems to do a much better job of legislators actually forming, serving on committees, working on legislation. You have an author, it goes through a process and, and the committees actually do the work. In D.C., it's four or five people make a decision and then the bill comes out and it never it never goes through a committee. It never goes through a first reading, second reading. It's here it is. You guys, yes or no, let's go and move on to the next one. And more often than not, it's like 100 pages long or 200 pages long. And they they nobody has a clue. They uh, they give it to you at the last minute. So there's no time to really I mean, who knows what's in it? And then you ask the whip what you're supposed to do and. They say yes, so you go, all righty, here we go. Or they title it like the Clean Air Act. You're not going to vote no against clean air. But meanwhile, with in the middle of the Clean Air Act, it's like we're going to add $300 million a year for funding for Saudi Arabia. Huh? Uh, Jeremiah, I want to know where all the ink is going to come from to keep printing this money. <laughs> I, you know, from what I hear, uh, President Biden had some really good ideas and uh, the Democrats as a party have had some really good ideas and they're hard to argue with. How in the world are we going to pay for it? We haven't stopped spending in years. It's it, both both groups. That, right. That, yeah, that both have parties. Held, that yes. have held, that have held right. Congress. You're both right. That have held, you know, it's a. It, I don't think anybody takes it seriously any longer. The, I, I remember when uh, Mitch Daniels was toying around with an idea of running for president. Mm-hmm. And I think his campaign focus was going to be called, you know, we've got to deal with the big red menace. And the big red menace is the debt. debt. Yeah. Deficit spending and, and debt. And, uh, and, you know, in some ways I was disappointed that he didn't make a run because I think that he might have been the voice needed to stop this madness, to stop, to stop this spending madness. And, uh, I'm not sure that, uh, there's an end in sight for that. Once, uh, once your side gets to be in charge, you don't care anymore. Yeah. It, it, 
coming from the third party side, coming from the libertarian side, you can just literally watch. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge today and Dakota side's not. And then we're just going to, when we change seats, we're going to change notes and we're going to talk the other side. You just, it's just theater. That's my, all it my, is. my brother, who's a retired accountant. He used to have a saying, he said, uh, uh, it's the golden rule. Those who have the gold make the rules. Yeah. Speaking of numbers that are really high, we had a truck that exceeded a hundred miles per hour in Henry County today. And that's newsworthy. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we've talked about the max speeds that we've reached in our vehicles. I think all three of us have on this show before. But the only difference was is we didn't have 15 police cars following us at the time. That was the case today in Henry County whenever there was a report of a stolen uh, Ford F-250 with a camper shell on the back. It was a dually. and That's a recognizable vehicle. Yep. I and heard the a, sirens on that. I was uh, I, I I lived just off Western Road, and I heard a series of sirens, and it it, it really piqued my interest. I thought something something big is going on because it was like it sounded like six or seven vehicles at least. It was yeah, a a Newcastle police officer heard heard that there was a stolen vehicle, and then he happened to see it at a stoplight, and thought. That looks a lot like that stolen vehicle that I've heard about. So he decides to try to pull the vehicle over, and the dude doesn't stop. He just it got exciting, it. huh? Mm-hmm. He acted like he was going to stop for a second, and then as soon as the police officer slowed down, he guns it. He just takes off going down. Uh, I think it was three southbound on State Road three to. Yep. It sounds like it wound up in Hancock County and then in Rush County. He so this is quite the chase. He went through. He's acted like he was going to stop at the Casey's general store. Well, that's where all the police are. It's a great place to stop and turn yourself in. And then he went, ha ha jokes on you. And he went back on Riley road and just took off going. He went on Riley. No wonder my wife said she's heard all the sirens mm-hmm. today living in that he neighborhood. Went through the middle of Newcastle. Wow. Where there's kids and people like, it's a good thing. It was a nasty rainy day and there wasn't anybody out except for Zach Bertram running. Zach, yeah. did you get did you get run over today? No, I waited till the rain was over before, and I usually will hit, I'll get on the sidewalk if I hear sirens. But. So yeah, this guy reaches. He gets out on the open road, and they're saying he's going eighty miles an hour. He's going ninety miles an hour. We've reached hundred miles an hour. This is on forty, and then he's getting. And then they're like, we're going to put out the stop sticks in Knightstown, which are these. It's basically how you stop a vehicle. It blows the tires. Well, he just decides to get go the wrong direction on 40. Cross the median? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I see the stop six. I'm no idiot. And he just goes in the wrong direction. He gets around him and gets back on the other side of 40. And he just keeps on going. Gets Makes it to Greenfield. They had already contacted Hancock County Sheriff's Department. They put out stop six in Hancock County. He does the same exact thing, just goes around them. I don't know why they weren't like... Maybe they need longer stop sticks. Curb to curb, guys. Curb to curb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On a divided highway, it becomes more difficult. There's a video that I saw of a that a person made in Greenfield. It's the middle of downtown Greenfield. Like, you can see the signs on the the stoplights where it's like, 109 is that way. It's amazing that nobody was hurt. 
uh, yeah. system. I missed most of the story. I saw the the little Channel Six one, and they. I was surprised that one of their reporters was out there, but obviously this went on for quite some time. It went on for an hour, a wow. full hour. He led the police. Did on they the stop for fuel? <laughs> <laughs> it's in Greenfield. Diesel, probably got a fifty gallon diesel tank yeah. on it. Just outside of Greenfield, he's like, "I'm going to make a turn to the south." So he cuts it south, winds up in Rush County, goes off the road. I don't know if they put out stop six again or what, but he goes off the road and he's driving in a cornfield to get away from the cops and then stops his vehicle, probably because the cornfield is muddy right now and he gets stuck because, you know. Well, the picture I saw, it looked like he might have made contact with a uh, one of those heavy-duty utility poles. Mm. There's a picture of the truck, the left rear wheel is not facing in the direction it should be facing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a steel utility pole on the ground behind it. So I I don't understand the mindset of someone who gets involved in something like that. I mean, does he really think it's going to end well? Well, what's funny is there was another chase in Henry County last weekend, Friday night, and it went through a friend's yard, a friend of mine. (laughs) And I saw the post. He slept through it completely. And his wife kind of recalls waking up and hearing sirens and seeing lights, but they live on a highway, so it's not uncommon to have him go by the house. He comes into town, runs with me, he gets home, and he looks, and it looks like an episode of the Dukes of Hazzard has been filmed in his yard. (laughs) There's just tracks off the highway, just weaving through his yard, like between some trees, and then across the fence line. And he's taken pictures and sent them to me. He thought this was hilarious. And then when he crossed the fence line, they ran over a fence post. There's parts of the car just strewn in the field. And then that's everything where the chase ended. But yeah, it was the same thing. I was like, the minute he left the road, unless that guy was going to go full send through a creek, it's done. He's caught. There's no way he's getting away. This guy got out of his truck, his truck, the truck, and decided to take off running. Yeah, a canine was involved, right? Is he hides right? behind a bar. He's like, I'm going to dart behind this bar. I don't know what bar it was. They said it was a bar, but I heard on the scanner barn, but the article I read said bar. Big news. Yeah, you know, whatever. We'll go with their story. And then they released the dogs, and they got him, and they called. Uh, the last thing that I heard on the scanner, because I was listening to it, I was riding my bike, and my wife texted me, and she's like, She's like, oh, my God, look in the Henry County Scanners group right now. And I was like, hmm. I read the post, and the admin of that group was just constantly updating everything she heard on the scanner. So I pulled up my scanner app and was listening to it. And the last thing that I heard on the scanner app before they took offline for some reason was uh, calling. they were calling the medics. So... The Henry know. County Scanner Facebook page is really, really a nice page. I, Actually, I have a she great, does a good job. Great admiration for Rhonda and Rhonda. Uh, that's and uh, I think is it uh, Carrie? I think is the other one. Uh, so, does this make for a big day in the newsroom if something like this happens, Daryl? Uh, yes, is generally it, speaking. Yes, yes. Uh, they, well, now, see, back in the day, uh, we would have the scanner. You know, we had scanners in the newsroom uh, uh, the whole time I was there as managing editor. And uh, the scanner has disappeared. That's another thing that I missed uh, when I went back was that the scanner was no longer there. Um, and, you know, there, there's an argument to be had that, well, you know, people think when something like that happens, we ought to get out there and start chasing them right away. And it doesn't make sense really for us to do that 
except maybe for a photo op or something like that, because you're not going to be able to get information uh, uh, right away anyway. Uh, you know, the, the officers involved have to file a report. And so it, it, it doesn't, it's not good use of newspaper time anymore because our resources are scattered so thin to, to chase something like that. You know, that, that's the kind of a thing that you wait until the event is over and then you talk to the, uh, the officer. Uh, you know, again, from a picture standpoint, you might be able to get a decent picture. But you're not going to be able to write the story well, until the report is filed. It's a different era as well. At yes, one time, that's there right. Was, that's right. At one time, there was a there were photojournalists that yes. worked for the paper. Yes. Versus now, it was a you know it was Daryl had with his iPhone that would have to take yeah. the picture, and that was it was it's just different. One of the most surprising things to me, I never thought uh, I would take as many pictures in the last five six years as what I've taken on my cell phone. Um, uh, the joke was at home. If there was a picture to be taken at, a, at an event, you didn't want me to take it. The Becky usually took it because she didn't like the way I took pictures. <laughs> I wasn't very good then, and I've gotten a little better now because you have to do it. Yeah. You just have to do it. There's no other, you know, it's expected. Right. They and used to send John. John used to be the John, guy and the before career. John, uh, Ron Tower. Do you guys mm-hmm. know Ron? Yep. Uh, Ron was in the '90s. Ron was doing yeah, it as well. Yeah. Ron and I went to ball games together. Uh, before Ron, uh, or actually during the time he served, Ernie Klotz. Uh, you guys recognize that name? Is that Her, related to Katie? Uh, no, 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 I don't think so. Okay. I think think that uh, it's K L O T Z. I think. Okay. It's not Klontz, it's Klontz. Klontz. Okay. All right. But Ernie was was uh, kind of a legend back in those days because he would you'd see him at all the accidents, uh, you'd see him at a lot of the major functions, and uh, it, it was such a great relief as a reporter uh, to go to a game or go to an event, and all you had to worry about was taking notes. You had to get the story and get the story, and somebody else took care care of the pictures. And you know now. Um, uh, when I retired, if I had to go cover an event, a lot of times I would not take a notebook with me. I would take my tape recorder and I would tape record the event and I would take pictures while the tape recorder was running because I had to take pictures. Uh, there was no other photographer available. And then, then that uh, created a, a uh, more arduous process because then you got to go home. Now you're linearly going back through it again. You're going back through it again. Exactly. Exactly. So it, 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 it took a little more time that way. Uh, and you know, maybe the, uh, critics out there might say, well, gee, you could, you could take notes and take pictures at the same time. And, and, uh, just for me, it never worked very well. I mean, I, I'm sure you could, but, uh, uh, you know, it just always seemed easier uh, to get a better picture you had to be ready. I mean, you can't wait uh, when you're taking a note, and then if something happens, the say, moment that comes along, the then. moment that comes along, and then and then say, well, could you guys repeat that? I mean, you know, you can't really do that in in some situations anyway. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a, a complication of today's uh, of today's reporting, and it probably yeah. sounds like I'm I'm uh, complaining and and griping, but. Uh, you're an old reporter. Is. You're allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's right. That's right. Yeah. As somebody yeah. who attends city council meetings, uh, you were one of the people that was thankfully was on the ball during the kind of the pandemic when they were going through different venues, uh, specifically the armory where the audio would be a nightmare. And I would feel bad for you. Cause I'm like, Daryl got 10,000 steps. 
standing up and moving the mic around to the various people because they wouldn't pick a mic up and you couldn't hear anything. I'm like, we're all going to know what's going on because Daryl's making sure that we know what's going on. So Daryl knows what's going on so he can write about it in the paper. You know, thank you for that. It I mean, was irritating to me. Uh, and I had nothing uh, against having the meeting somewhere else. Uh, I think that's fine. But uh I mean, I was sitting back there with other folks, and I even asked, I said, can you hear what's going on? You no, couldn't hear you anything. Can't, you couldn't. And, uh, I mean, these are important issues. Why have a public meeting if no one can hear? When, um, <laughs> so, open door and public meetings right. have been a very, very real struggle the last year and a half or two years in this community. Uh, and, you know, it's just a... I would be we get a lot of there. a lot of folks that say that we're trying to fix that, but we've not been very successful yet. I would yes. have the sheet of paper that tells me what they are discussing. I would be in there sitting. I would walk out, and I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna have to read what Daryl put because I have no idea what just happened." And I was sitting in the room. You know, I, I hate to, uh, and I always tried not to be uh, that guy that was always intrusive and in the way, and and trying to get in the way of the event. But in the case of that city council meeting, I went. Uh, whenever whoever was speaking next, I put my tape recorder right in front of him. I, I actually walked up and put it right in front of him because I knew if I didn't, you wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get it. You could not hear. You could not hear. So, you know, uh, the armory is a great place, but it's a terrible place from a sound situation standpoint for a public meeting. Yep. Speaking of things being different because of COVID, so. James Briggs, it, James Briggs is the, uh, the editorial writer for the Indianapolis star now. And I don't find a lot of times where my opinions and James Briggs opinions uh, uh, cross. And that maybe that's the way editorial writers are supposed to be. They're supposed to just take you off and irritate you. But today he wrote something that I said, damn it. The guy's finally right. He said that, uh, that the IMS gate temperature scanning Indianapolis motor speedways getting to have 135,000 fans Memorial day weekend. It's going to be the largest gathering of people, of humans in one place since the pandemic began. IMS has been doing all kinds of vaccinations. They've been doing great work. Uh, and we have become conditioned as we go to these events that there are certain things that we do. You're expected to have a mask. So you're going to get free hand sanitizer when you go. You're going to get your temperature taken. We've just gotten this routine of if you're going to do a, an event with all these people, this is just the stuff we do. And James is pointing out that the science doesn't say that we need to be doing these temperature scans anymore. And this is the largest gathering of humans for a sporting event. And it's going to be a precedent setter that if we do it now, if we do it for this event, the next thing's going to copy it, right? The next, the next big race, the football games this fall, et cetera, et cetera, pacer games, whatever, whatever we get into. And he says it doesn't, it, everybody passes. Nobody has a problem. By the way, you're walking at half a mile or a mile from your car, on what might be a 90 degree day. So you're going to get a false positive of being hot anyway. And the first few weeks that, you know, the fever was what mattered. Everybody was worried about the fever. Now we've determined that you don't have to have, you, you can be COVID positive or you, fever is not really correlated. Mm -hmm. So James wrote the story saying, Hey, we've got the chance here to stop this, to not, to not set this precedent. And he made the point of the, uh, of a, of the TSA and the theater that's there as well. And it got me thinking, and I was hoping you guys would would weigh in and 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 brainstorm a little bit or have this have this conversation. It's the same as taking off your shoes in the airport or not being able to take your bottle of water through. 
uh, and I'll get into the the Beatles in a second too, which I think is a, a, a the Ashbor Beetle. Um, but is, is the guy nuts? Is he crazy? Or is this? Or are we just griping about anything to gripe now? Or are we just mad, Dakota? No, I think he's right. Uh, at this point, I think that we just need to go. We have a vaccine. Uh, President Biden said last night that we have 200 million needles in arms. And that's a big milestone. The census said we have 330 million people in this country now. We're And with those numbers, we've already reached, we're already over what Fauci first said was could be considered herd immunity in this nation. So at this point, you've got the shot or you're comfortable with not having the It's an shot. outdoor event. It's outdoor event. This uh, virus, the data says that it dies in sunlight. They're going to so, be socially distanced. You know, you're, you're not going to be sitting directly next to anybody that you didn't like, show up with. What, what my point is, is just, we just need to get back to actual normal, not new normal. The way things were in November of 2019, not the way things are, not nothing new. It just needs to be back to where it was. I think we're close. I, I don't, I don't know that we're, I don't know that facilitators to, you know, the owner of an event, the promoter of an event is willing to be the first one to say, yep, we're completely normal. There's risk to that of, of the optics of the big problem happened at your event. Yeah. The, the, it's the, the optics of the it. PGA doesn't want to say, well, you know what happened at the U S open this year or at, right. at the masters that all these people got together in, in Georgia and, and everybody got sick because nobody wore masks. So you know what and I that's, said to those people, grow some balls. Is there a liability factor in all of this? I mean, is that part of potentially? The hesitation? I, I think a lot of it is it's really the optics of of you know Miller Lite is a massive sponsor of the Speedway. They don't want somebody coming after Miller Lite saying, "Hey, Miller, you're supporting these people who don't care, right?" So now we're they're worried about Miller Lite. the people on Twitter that would get upset upset about this. It's the same reason why you had everybody socially distanced in Congress few hundred members sit together on a national speech wearing their masks, even though they're all vaccinated, right? That's, they, the, that's yeah, the point of right, the vaccinations right, yeah. is so that we don't have to do that, but we we're doing it to set the example. In a nation of 330 million people, they're worried about 1000 angry tweets. Zach, what do you say? That puts it in perspective. <laughs> yeah. I, if it doesn't help, it's not going to help. It's, it's also going to add another choke point. It's going to slow things down, getting people in and the worst moment for people getting congested will be getting into the track because everybody will show up at about the same time. They're going to stack up at the same and, moment. Um, yeah. The closest I've ever been to anybody is not in the grandstands. It's waiting when I'm in a group of probably 20,000 people standing on Georgetown waiting to get through security. So if they're going to have to scan everybody's forehead and if we're standing, it's always 90 degrees. So yeah, I'll probably half the people will probably be hot because they've been standing on Georgetown for 15 minutes trying to get scanned to get in. Just dragging dragging their cooler in. Yep. Their 14 by 14 by 14 cooler. <laughs> what I want to know is why don't they show this live on television in the Indianapolis market? It probably will be this year. They said what will probably happen this year is that if they sell out the 135,000 seats, which they probably will because it's apparently it's a, just a threshold of people who still wanted to go who had already bought tickets – if they sell that out, they will probably do it, but they will wait until they have hit capacity. Mm. It, it, it's that. always kind of irked me that they haven't 
shown that race live because I, I think most people who go to the race are going to go anyway, that having it on TV is not going to keep them from going, that they enjoy the experience, that for them it's more than a race, it's an experience, it's a social gathering event, it's something cool that uh, they have a tradition of doing, and uh, I see no reason why that race should not be aired live. Why there's a local on, blackout. Yes. Yeah. It's, it goes back. It's very similar to the NFL's rules with blackouts and what they would have. And if they weren't officially sold out, I think it's, it's aired live twice now, Zach, in, uh, in my memory, it aired live it in 2016 for yeah. the hundredth running that race was when, sold out. when it was truly sold out and they quit selling general admission tickets. And then last year, because nobody was allowed in, it was shown live. Uh, I think this will be the third year because you're going to get to that 135,000. But go past that, yeah, it's a it's a get your ticket or go to Dayton and watch TV. Yeah, <laughs> you're camping there, right? Yeah, this is uh, I'll be in, uh, in on uh, just off Georgetown on the outside of the track. It's a it's a developing story as to what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. Um, right. Not going to be normal. Are you taking firewood? Uh, I don't know. Don't know yet. I, I know that if I do, I can't use it. I can't burn it on the ground. I have, I have to have it off the ground. My wife and I went one time. Uh, I was working at the radio station in 1987, and they had a, a, a raffle for a staff member to win a pair of tickets, and I was the lucky winner. And so we went, and we thought we had left in plenty of time. We left at, I think, 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, got in the most horrendous traffic jam. We were rookies and probably didn't go the right way or whatever, but uh, uh, the most horrendous traffic jam I have ever been a part of. Uh, uh, vehicles were not moving. People were not even in their vehicles. They were outside. Uh, it took forever. And my wife was really upset that uh, by the time we got to our seats, the things that she wanted to see, she, the, the gym neighbors... You've missed Back the pomp moment. and circumstance. We, we missed it all. We missed it all. The balloons. What uh, What year? It was 1987. And actually, though, the race was very entertaining that oh, year. Because, Al Unser won his fourth. Because Al Unser won his fourth. And uh, uh, that, that was the year, Jeremiah, if you remember, Mario Andretti dominated the entire month. And and uh, I kid you not. Broke, during on, the, broke on the backstretch. During the race, we were sitting right there on the main straightaway. Great seats. And you'd see Mario come around, come around the corner, and you'd see him disappear around the other corner, and there was no other car behind him. Uh, he was gone before the next car came around him. That's how far ahead he was. And then when he had the problem and Roberto Guerrero took over first place, the roar of that crowd was just unbelievable. And I don't know, I, I don't know if there's a, a dislike of the Andretti family. Uh, there, or if it was just the 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 moment that Roberto Guerrero, well, I don't know if he was rookie that year or what, took over first place. But then, but then he had problems, and then Al Unser was just in the right place at the right time and won number four in a car that started the month of May in a museum in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what a, a story! Yeah, that's a that's a that's an all time epic one. Uh, and Mario never did win another, and his son and grandson haven't either. That's yeah. a what what are you upset about with the ash trees? So here, here's what the do deal. you have I, against them. The, we can't bring firewood into into parks, into state parks, into campgrounds, and it's the mm -hmm. same. It's the same theater conversation. 
there was a rule that was put in place 15 years ago that said, don't bring firewood from out of your community, out of your county. Don't bring it in from more than 15 or 20 miles away because you're going to bring this beetle in, which, by the way, has killed every damn ash tree that we have now. They're dead and gone and done, but we're still worried about the bugs. We're still worried about the emerald ash borer beetle. So we, it's the same thing. It's we do it always this way. So we're done. We're not we're not going to have our shoes on in the airport. We're going to take a temperature check because that's what we do now when we come into the speedway and you have to buy your firewood from the gas station that's been kiln dried or they're selling it at the venue. Now it becomes, hey, it's a it's a revenue stream where we've got businesses and industries that are set up so that I have to sell it you this firewood to be that you could bring in your firewood if it's debarked. Yeah. It's yeah. debarked. Yeah. Which, I mean, are you, I mean, you're going to debark your firewood, right? We always did. Sure. Just another example of uh, not a big liberties difference. going away, isn't it? Uh, it's a, it's a slippery slope, right? You you say, okay, fine. Yes, we'll do it. And then it just, beca- you just become conditioned to it. Daryl. It wouldn't be so bad. But there's real sold- problems with the Emerald if, Ash Borer. If they sold, they've killed, they've won. We've lost to the beetle now. It's no, over. Not yet. There's it's a done. lot of hard Go find me an ash borer of ash tree. There's a lot of hardworking arborists in the state of Indiana that are trying to get the ash tree population back up in Indiana's state forest. They're dead. And national park. We've lost them. They could at least sell good firewood. But the firewood they sell are these little bundles. They're about the size of a basketball in diameter. They're like six to seven dollars a bundle. And yep. they're so dry. They and burn so in small 40 seconds. That they burn in 15 seconds. Yeah, I uh, went on a trip to Tennessee recently couldn't find anywhere else sometimes you can find a local spot to buy cheaper firewood just outside the park yep. that's acceptable but there was no place near this place because the campground was in the middle of nowhere and I spent $78 on firewood <laughs> in four days wow and I'm like that's stupid and my brother made the mistake of going to a park and they said hey did you bring your own firewood and he's like yeah and like is it debarked and he's like no and they <laughs> confiscated it and threw it in a dumpster and then gave him two free bundles of wood for his troubles and said, you can keep what you can burn the next six hours. By the way, you're the first person to ever admit to bringing firewood in. They told him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never admit to it. My dad had a camper, had a shell on the back of his truck and we would always bring in uh, ash tree because we had a big, cause they're dead. Tree. Cause the beetles won, <laughs> but we got, we did. If it, listen, if a tree is dead for a long time, you cut it down, you split all the wood, the vast majority of the bark is just going to come off. I, was, I have some old firewood in my house, and it's naturally debarked. Yeah. So it's just kind of, uh, it works out. Nature. Nature finds a way. I was I was trying to tie that back into that, but it's not really, it's not the same. It's okay. The Jeff Goldblum quote. Yeah. The, life uh, finds a way. I I feel like we just, we can give up. We've we've lost the battle to the Beatles. We can have a firewood lost, back. Well, the first year that Audrey and I moved into our house, we had to cut down nine dead ash trees. Yeah, because they already won. They won before you were out of high school. No, they haven't won yet. Give up the dream. They're working. I can remember <laughs> at one point there were quarantine counties a long time ago, and it was you weren't supposed to bring it from one county to another. But now the whole states. Another problem brought to us by China. How it is. Buckle up for the cicada. I bet the cicadas are involved. It's big cicada. That, that cicada. Cicada, cicada. They are uh, <laughs> cicadas. They're the ones that are going to be responsible for. for you the have lived in Henry County for the past 27 Don't, years of your life. Let me have this one word. I, you screw up 45 different words <laughs> a month. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with cicada. Cicada. 
That's not, is that even, do they even say it like that in New York? How would you pronounce the word? It's cicada. You're drunk. All right, Zach, final thoughts. Anything we forgot? No, not off the top of my head. Let me give that email address again for the book. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I forget if I gave it the first time or not. Well, we'll, we'll end up tagging you in this as well. So okay. people, we'll, we'll tag you on the Facebook okay. side. But what is the email address? The email address is d.radford, R-A-D-F-O-R-D, at comcast.net. At comcast.net. d.radford at comcast.net. Send me an email. Tell me you heard this and that you'd like a copy of the book. And uh, uh, we will sell it to you for 15 bucks if we can make arrangements to get it to you in town. And if you need it mailed, uh, the book will cost $20, but I'll take care of the postage. Awesome. So uh, You'll uh, even wait in line at the post office for you. I, I absolutely you're, will. Because you're retired now and you have I'm the time. I'm retired and I've got the time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Dakota? My cousin Donnie's in the chat and he wants to re- – he, he's a first responder in Florida. And he yep. wants to remind us to push the vaccines. I got my last one this week. I remember on, Donnie on Thursday. Donnie's a get, former guest on the show. Yep, American hero, fireman, rescue uh, squad. I, I've had both of mine EMT. and had no problems with mine. And uh, I would encourage people to, you know, um, now my son Derek. Uh, he's he's a conspiracy theorist, and there's no way in in <laughs> heck he's going to get that. But. Uh, uh, I, I encourage people to do, and uh, my wife and I, neither one had any problems with the vaccine. We got the Moderna one. My my wife and I got the uh, the Pfizer. Sarah had a little struggle on Saturday. She got a little cold uh, and uh, and shivery, but uh, she lived. We made it through. I uh, I slept like I, I slept great after the first one. I, best night's sleep of my life. The first two nights. This one, I had nothing happen at all. I was super tired this week, but I did a, a double plasma or platelet. Uh, for the blood center on uh, on Monday night and then Wednesday night I was wiped out. I, I think they're unrelated. I think if you if you get the vaccine then you decide you're going to go donate uh, you know uh, five, do five quarts of fluids. You're probably setting yourself up for getting your ass kicked. Yeah. But don't do that. Yeah. But I did it and I lived. I'm still here. We made show. We made the post. We made the show. I'm going to plug the Broad Street Cruise in in Newcastle one more time. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. All those were fun times. Uh, there's also the vendor event at LNK Produce that's happening on this Saturday. They're going to have food trucks and vendors and things out there. Uh, I plan on going to that as well. It should be a good time. They've always, we've always had a good time at those as well. Um, I think that's it. Donnie should come back on the show sometime. He was a really fun guest. He's the one that made me start taking like a first aid pretty seriously. Inspired me to go for EMR training. So there you go. Yeah. Shout out to Donnie. There we go. I awesome. Hear, I want to hear some Florida man stories from him. <laughs> Florida man stories. As a helicopter EMT, I'm sure he has a ton. <laughs> oh man. Yep. He's uh Donnie just completed uh, watching his, uh, watching his Facebook. He just uh, finished building a pool in the uh, Casa de Moral down there in, uh, uh, on the, the, uh, the Gulf coast of Florida. And uh, it, if you, anybody wants to join me, uh, boss hog hangout saturday morning at my house we're going to uh, be opening the pool for the season the cover mm-hmm. comes off and we're going to see what kind of uh what kind of what kind of terror is under the cover yet. well I mean, we got a pool party in july but we got to get it we got to get it started now if yeah. he sees any hanging chads please let me know <laughs> <laughs> there we go all right guys this has been awesome uh, appreciate daryl very much this is uh, long thank overdue thank you very much uh we'll Enjoy be back, being here we'll be back next week 
Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network, and I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.